Welcome to the Living Room Disciple Podcast. Today we are talking about eternal life. What does the Bible say about eternal life and about heaven? And how does what we believe about heaven form us? This is going to be a, a big question that we are jumping into today, and we're excited to have you along for the ride. So welcome to the Living Room Disciple, where discipleship finds a home. Can I ask you a question? You may. Do you think about heaven? Oh, man. Like, you, you, know, about... you know what I'm talking about. Like, do yeah. you go mercy me? Do you go like... Uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? I do know like, what you're talking about. Yeah, and, and no, I don't really, honestly. Not a really? lot. Really? Not a lot. Do you? I used to. But yeah. I... I've, you know, like, in prepping for our conversation today... You'd think I'd be thinking a lot about hmm. what heaven's going to be like, but I don't know. Actually, don't. let me change my answer a little bit. Okay. All right. I, I think about it not in terms of what it's going to be like, but I think about it kind of a lot about like what's happening there right now in terms mm. of like, you know, the saints and the angels around the throne, praising God, mm. that mm-hmm. kind of thing, because I'm a, I'm a worship pastor. And so Sunday mornings, I'm, I'm thinking about that kind of thing. Let's join with the, the saints and the angels in declaring never-ending praise. But I don't really think about it in terms of what's it going to be like for, for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me ask you a question. Why does it matter to think, like, heaven is this complex, ethereal, literally mm-hmm. ethereal, right? Um, mm-hmm. Kind of un, unimaginable, I can only imagine kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That we we can't really put words to it. Why does it matter for us to think of? Should we be thinking about it? Why does it matter what we think about it? Why does it matter what we believe yeah. about it? If we're going there, we're just yeah. going to go there. Whatever happens at the end of our lives, whatever happens at the end of time, is going to happen one way or another. Why does it matter what we believe about it? Yeah. There, and, and when I was a teacher, we had this saying, begin with the end in mind. And what we were talking hmm. about is begin when you create your lesson plan, be thinking about what you want your students to know or be able to do. Um, you know, so if I, you know, I, I taught English, so if I wanted them to be able to, mm. you know, write, um, uh, you know, a complete paragraph that uses evidence, uh, that's housed within an introductory sentence and a, con- and a conclusion sentence, then I had to consider that end result when I was in crafting my lesson. And, I th- I think one of the things that I'm I'm coming becoming more and more convinced of and perhaps even convicted about hmm. is that as we are considering what eternal life is going to be like or what et- or what Jesus defines as eternal life right. that's going to consciously or subconsciously affect how I'm living today right like if I have a correct understanding of what eternal life is, then I'm going to work backwards and say, so what does that mean Phil needs to live like in 2023 in, mm. in preparation for my soul and my spirit to be ready really for that? Yeah. And, you know, the, the and I say this with love, the worst teachers were the ones who totally won it. And they never had an end result in mind and they were never really thinking about that. Mm. And so oftentimes the students didn't learn what needed to get, you know, needed to be learned, right? And the best teachers were the ones who had a clear vision of what the end result for a student was. And then they were able to develop, develop a lesson plan hmm. in accordance. And I, I think it's like that to some extent. And I think that's why Jesus gave a vision to his disciples of eternal life, which is what we're going to talk about. Yeah. What did Jesus say eternal life is? Ooh. I know you know because I just read your article about this. Ah, you do? (laughs) Yeah, I just, yeah. John 17, uh, Jesus is praying. And um, it's, it's, you know, one of the last major prayers that he he prays. He's praying with the disciples in the upper room. Hmm. Uh, You know, just had had Passover. I'm pretty sure that was where he was at. And uh, he, he says in that prayer, uh, I'm giving the Phil paraphrase here, but it's essentially, um, and this is eternal life, 
so he prays that they would have eternal life, and then he says, and this is eternal life, that they would know you, the Father, and that they would know me, the Son. Hmm. And that is not at all the eternal life I've thought about Yeah, for most of my walking with Jesus, and definitely not growing up. You know what I mean? Back in the the 90s, eternal life, you know, John 3.16, eternal life was heaven. <laughs> like, right? Yep. Like, I, I kicked the bucket, and then uh, absent from the body, present with the Lord, mm-hmm. I am at the pearly gates, I face my judgment in that moment, uh, I am I'm uh, accepted in, I'm let into the kingdom because of uh, Christ's blood, and then I figure out where which street my house is on that he has prepared for me you get and your heart i get my heart um yeah i all i and you can i be honest with you please do i hate i hate that vision to some extent <laughs> why is that <laughs> okay so like just in, i don't know like especially in my early 20s and late teens i and i know i know other people have thought you have you thought this that would be boring hmm i have thought that which is not great because I'm a worship pastor. But I thought, like, <laughs> not that I don't want to worship God forever. I do want to worship God forever, but I don't want to be part of an eternal worship service. I don't. Yeah. 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 Or or just be in a place that has no problems, per se. And, mm. and, that, and for the record, you know, uh, problems don't have to mean, like, sin-based problems, you know? Right, right, right. Um but be in a place in which there's no challenge, there's no growth, there's no... Um, but gosh, but Jesus gives us a sweeter vision. You know, if somebody had told me that, like, I get to spend the rest of eternity getting to know better... Right. My my Lord and my Savior, that's different. Yeah. Walking with God in the garden versus just... Yeah. Forever around his throne, which is a beautiful thing, too praising him with your hands in the air and singing holy 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 but there's more to it than just that that's that's not all there is yeah i mean you know think about you know you and taylor um you've married for a number of years now me and Brittany are going on 11 years Mm -hmm. um there is is depth to to my wife and sweetness to my wife that i'm getting Sometimes I feel like I'm only scratching the surface of to be real, right? You know, right. Um, and she's human, right? Like mm. you know, she's she's like me, right? Like she's just you know, uh, human, made in God's image, yeah. but not God, you know. Yeah. And how much more so? How how many years or millennia? Uh, clearly, eternity, but <laughs> like, but like, how how long could I spend just getting to know God, right? Yeah. So let's let's jump in to what does the Bible say about about heaven? If if it's not the vision that you painted earlier, what what is mm-hmm. awaiting us for eternity? Um so yeah. Let's jump into that. Yeah, I well how about this? How about we start by separating two terms and I'm going to need your help to do this. Um uh-huh. cuz I think I think you're a little smarter than me, but you know, so we have know eternal that. life. <laughs> I think so. We have eternal life, and we have the words heaven, mm-hmm. which I do think are used very interchangeably. They are, you know, and and I don't think they mean the same thing. They do not. <laughs> so help me out a little bit. Uh, go ahead and, and help me separate those two terms, and then we'll we'll build mm-hmm. from there. So think about it this way: on page one of the Bible, God creates the heavens and the earth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. On page two of the Bible, God plants a garden in Eden. It's this beautiful garden paradise, and there in that garden, God dwells with people. Not in heaven, but on earth. Um, mm-hmm. So somewhere in the will of God, there's a, there is a desire for him to come and dwell with us on earth. Um, there's a professor at Wheaton College named John Walton. He talks about how the entire Bible is the Emmanuel story. The whole thing is the story of how God wants to be God with us. Um, And so when Adam and Eve are kicked out of that garden paradise, when they're kicked out of heaven on earth and the humans aren't in this heaven place anymore, God chooses a family and he has them build a temple and he comes to dwell with them in that temple. And then that falls short over and over again. 
And yeah. Jesus comes as the Word made flesh in the book of John in, in the uh, chapter 1, says that he comes to dwell with us or literally to tabernacle with us. That, that yeah. Greek word is the word for tabernacle. He, he comes to pitch his tent with us, to be yeah. the temple among us. Um, and then when he teaches us to pray, he says, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so last week we had the honor of talking with Scott McKnight about Revelation, and at the end of Revelation, guess where God is? New Jerusalem descends from heaven to earth to come, and so God can dwell with us on earth as it is in heaven. And it's not, it's not the broken earth that we live in right now, it's, it's a renewed earth, it's a restored earth, it's, it's a, an earth with resurrection, where we are, our bodies are restored and resurrected and glorified, and so that we... The point of, of the Bible is not for God to, to rescue us from the earth that he's going to destroy. The point is to restore the world, to restore and, and rescue the world. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a different vision. It's a more embodied vision. It's a more physical vision. And it, it's God coming to dwell with his people. Eternal life yeah. is knowing God and knowing his son. Yeah, and I think it's important in, in that story, and I love that, the Emmanuel story, in hmm. the story, there's there are two settings, there are two dimensions, there are mm -hmm. two places. There's dimensions, place I like that. In the, yeah. Anyways, yes. <laughs> and, it, it, and it's interesting that in the Garden of Eden, there's uh, Bible references that, that kind of give us the indication that, well, I mean, just the fact that God walked through the Garden of Eden. Right. Eden was this place in which the two dimensions overlapped, right? This is... Right earth and heaven um mm -hmm. and what i'm trying to remember what verse it is that essentially says that eden was like this garden on a mountaintop and it kind of gives us this yeah. image right it's in ezekiel eden. okay thank you and then when adam and eve are cast out of eden it's not just that they're cast out of like the place that has really good plants you know what i mean like right. it's the really nice garden right. no what's happening is they are leaving the area in which heaven and earth overlap and that's really right. key to understanding the, the biblical the story. The spot where God's presence is. Yes. And there isn't a spot in, in which God, there's God's presence again until the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. um, right? And so then the tabernacle comes and, and it, God's spirit rests there. And the tabernacle begins to represent what Eden should have been. Right? Right. But Even to the point the where the walls are decorated with yes. trees and flowers, and it's a, it's a garden in a building. Right. Yes, and right. cherubim right. that guarded the outside of the garden, right? So all mm -hmm. the imagery is Eden imagery. Yeah. And so, but sin nature, right? So not anybody can just walk into that tabernacle. This goes on, same thing with the temple, uh, when Solomon has the temple constructed. Then, then Jesus comes on the scene, and that's why it's so important that essentially it says that he made the, his tabernacle amongst them. He was the tabernacle now walking and breaking down the barriers. No longer can people not come to you know the tabernacle. He's actually going out amongst the sick, amongst the tax mm -hmm. collectors, amongst the prostitutes, amongst right. all like the dirtiest uh, culturally, socially, the dirtiest people mm -hmm. uh, that that culture understood. Right, their their kind of understanding the that, most impure, that right. most impure. Uh, I think would be a good way of putting it. And so he's breaking down those walls, and then uh, death, burial, resurrection, he ascends to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit um, to the believers. The Holy Spirit then begins to indwell, and they become the, the temple. Mm -hmm. And so now, if you are listening to this, and you, are, you, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are now the tabernacle or at least inside of you is the tabernacle and this is really important because when we have an image of ourselves dying and then we get to heaven right. we don't live as if we are in heaven right now that we are a part of heaven walking around in 2023 yeah. mm. um, you know on earth and that's huge Mm -hmm. That's huge for, for I, you will act and live differently hmm. if you're waking up with the mentality that I am the temple of God, that I am 
heaven or uh, you know a part of I'm the, I'm part of the overlap of earth and heaven again. Right. I'm the place I where the God's earth, presence meets earth. Thank you. Yes. It almost sounds blasphemous to say. It, but it, but it's what Paul says, you know? It is. Um, it is. And, and, and this is what he meant, like, in part what he meant. We're a royal priesthood. We're the people who walk yeah. into the tabernacle. And citizens of heaven. And citizens of this kingdom that is coming, right? And so we live as these people, right? So, uh, and, and we've heard this in our churches, I think, language that we've become more accustomed to, but has lost some of its power because of that. We're ambassadors of mm-hmm. God. Uh, we are messengers. Which is a political term. We are from somewhere else. It We've is, come here yeah. to represent that somewhere else. It is. Yeah. It is a political term. So so that's what the Bible kind of talks about with heaven. Heaven is a, is a spiritual place. Then the question becomes, and I'll, and I'll throw it over to you, and, and then we can talk about this. So, you know, we are at some point, our time on this earth will end and our physical bodies will pass away. And mm-hmm. when that happens what happens to what we understand as our spirit or our soul whatever term we want to put to that today we'll have to define the difference between those at some point but for today my understanding that i've always grown up with is i'm I, I'm, I'm dead i there's that verse absent from the body present with the lord mm-hmm. and therefore i am in heaven with god mm-hmm. how do you understand that yeah so there's that verse there's um, the thief on the cross where Jesus tells him today you will be with me in paradise um, mm-hmm. there's also Paul saying to live is to live is Christ to die is gain I almost had those yeah. backwards um, and talks about how he, he longs to be with his God here and now um, mm-hmm. so there is really good reason to say when we die in some sense we go to be with God um, God right here and now dwells in heaven Um so there is good biblical reason to say when we yeah. die, we go to heaven. Um, but conflating that with eternal life is, I think, where we where we run into issues. Um, so first of all, let me say we should we should not. Um, I think it's N.T. Wright talks about how we should not make death an ally by by like saying, "Well, I'm I'm going to go to heaven, so death isn't an enemy of mine anymore." Like death is mm. the enemy of Christianity. Um, which is why resurrection is the hope that Jesus comes to bring. Okay, define define that for me. What do you? That's I, I think that's really rich, but I don't fully understand yeah. that at first blush. So, mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? Death is still the enemy of the Christian, right? So, so a lot of us, a lot of the way ways that we talk about about heaven, um, almost welcomes death, and not saying that we should be afraid of death or that we should have no hope. None of that is true because resurrection is true. Um, but a lot of times we talk about death as well. Death is just a doorway to go to go see to go see my Savior, and and that's beautiful. And, and we should long for our Savior to live is gain and to die is or see I got it backwards. Um, but but ah. there's this. <laughs> but there's this. Live is Christ. This, die is gain. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Um, but there's this sense of of partnering with death. You have to go yeah. through death to get to Jesus, um, and death is still the the mortal enemy that that christ came to destroy um Mm. which is why the the end of the story is the overturning of death it's it's resurrection it's it's the defeat of death um if there's no resurrection then our final solution is is by dying right death gets to claim partial victory over us because we did die and we just our souls floated to heaven and, and we didn't get to have a body ever again um, but that's why it's so important to remember that, that resurrection is the end of the story. Death did not defeat Jesus. He rose again from the grave, and death will not defeat us. If we are in Christ, we will rise again from the grave. And this this kind of brings us back to even that analogy I gave, the, gave at the beginning, right? Begin with the end in mind. The end isn't eternity in heaven. Right. And, but, and that's really important, and I never knew that. Like, I wasn't right, taught that. Right. And, and and for those of you who are like, I feel like I just entered into a podcast of heresy. Here's how. Here's how. So, no matter which kind of like real uh, denomination you come from or doctrinal belief you have, everyone believes in, in or what we would understand as traditional Orthodox Christianity believes in a resurrection, and that the resurrection where we go through the same process as imitators of Christ. Uh, this is talked about in Revelations, kind of get some of that imagery. 
And so, so you know, we pass away. Perhaps we go and we're in heaven for this interim period, uh, which is what I'm hoping and desiring. And mm-hmm. then we, uh, the, the, Jesus comes to reestablish his kingdom. It's the second coming of Christ. And in that second coming, no matter what your eschatology is, at some point in your uh, eschatology is the study of end times. No matter what your belief is about end times, at some point, all the belief systems come to this idea that now Christians are bodily resurrected. We get new bodies like Jesus got a new body. And mm-hmm. then, and this is this is what I feel like people said, but they never said. And then we spend the rest of existence, which I think is forever, forever, yeah. on earth. Yeah. Right? And now that Eden, where which is an earthly place in which heaven overlapped, is now recreated. And so now we're back on earth. But this time, it's the it's the overlap of heaven and earth. Like... Um, and, and we don't know what that's really going to be like. We, we have hmm. uh, words that the, 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 the writers of the New Testament tried to give us, but they, they openly acknowledged that they didn't really have words to describe this. And so it's an amazing, beautiful thing. Hmm. But I think it's that key element that this is still going to be an earthly thing, that we are created on for earth. Uh, and that's, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Right? But... I, and I'll even quantify that a little bit. We're created initially for the intersection of heaven and earth, made right. from the dust, breathed the life of, of God, right? So, the spirit, in his yeah. Image. yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's what we need to talk about next, which would be so if we keep that in mind, how will that form us to be more like Christ? So Nick, keeping in mind this idea that that you know eternal life is knowing God, and that heaven is not the final destination for us, right? But but it's really here on earth. I don't. Why does that matter? Why is that not just academic? Hmm. Right, right. Um, well, first of all, let me say you just mentioned that Eden is is coming back in a sense and mm-hmm. I I want to encourage anybody listening to this if you get a chance go and read Revelation 21 and 22 and just look for words that come from the first couple chapters of Genesis um, there's a tree of life planted with a river flowing um, there's just so much healing for the nations there's just all these beautiful references um, of of Genesis 1 through 3 mm-hmm. that come from the end of Revelation um, so go go and, and check ends- that out but the story of the Bible kind of ends where it begins. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. God will replant us in Eden again. Um, but yeah, how does it form us? Why Why does it matter? Um, and I think a couple ways come to mind for me, and I, I'm excited to hear your thoughts as well. Um, the first thing is eternal life is knowing God. Um, and I, I, for one, I mentioned earlier how I don't really want to sit in an eternal worship service. I can't wait to walk with God eternally. Like... Yeah. getting to walk with God and have conversations with him in the garden city and and just know God and talk with him and walk with him that like I could do that forever that sounds incredible to me um mm-hmm. which which leads me to the question why don't I have a deeper longing for that here and now when he's not visible when he's not physically present with me um I want to have a a deeper desire and the more I think about the more I live with the end in mind as you were saying earlier um, the more I, that desire wells up in me to know God fully now, to, to try to know God as best as I can now. And I never, I never fully will um, until maybe ever, actually, um, even in eternity. But, yeah. but here and now, I want, to, I want to want to know him, right? Um, yeah. So that's the first one that comes to mind. The second thing that comes to mind is if, if the purpose of earth isn't just to hold us until we go to heaven and then God destroys it, um, yeah. If that's not the purpose, then then we should probably care about what we're building here, what we're doing here. Um, mm-hmm. Paul has this this yeah. metaphor of how if we build with with rock and concrete, not concrete, that's that would be anachronistic. <laughs> um, if we build with things that will last it's through implied. the fire, he would it, right he exactly concrete. You know. <laughs> exactly. Um, if we build with stone, it will last through the fire, or, or gold, or precious metals. Um, but if we build with straw, it will be burned up through the fire. Um, 
and so taking that 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 metaphor that analogy and thinking about how am i using my life to build things that will last into the the new key the new kingdom the new creation um and i think it's again nt wright who uses the example of of building a like a, a european cathedral how it's not one person that goes and builds a cathedral and, and it wasn't um a bunch of cranes and tractors and, and modern yeah. modern technology um when the European cathedrals were built, they were built with hundreds of different people who would, one person would build this section, one person would build this section, one person would do this, one person would do that. It would all be brought together and no one of them could have built the cathedral on their own, but, but as a group, as the church, um, they, they worked on that together. And, and N.T. Wright uses that as a metaphor to say, when we, when we build our, our lives, when we build our, our artwork, our work, our families, our, our communities, when we build those things with the end in mind, um, not seeing how it's going to contribute. I don't know how what I do as yeah. a worship pastor is going to last into the new creation, but eventually I'll see how it gets put together into the cathedral with what you're doing, Phil, yeah. um, and, and, and see how God builds that cathedral up and uses the pieces that we built while we were here on earth. Um, and I think it, it just adds so much more um, weight to to what we do with our lives. We're not just waiting for heaven. We're we're building something, praying and hoping that we're building with stone and with gold, so that it lasts through the fire. Yeah, and I think building is such an important imagery for understanding to some extent eternity. You know, we uh, and I speak. I say we as like humankind. Looking back at Adam and Eve, we're designed to be gardeners. We're designed the the earth if left to its own devices will take care of itself but through um the the loving um tender care of a gardener can be curated to yeah do more. yeah and and so there was work and we've heard this probably many of us in churches there's work in the garden of eden so when we talk about the end of the story is you know kind of comes back around and that when we think of heaven it's not a place where we just like relax and throw football what's that song <laughs> like uh, uh the big house table audio adrenaline yep. oh my gosh uh, yep. it's and and god bless them but yeah no <laughs> like that's not yeah. it you know and instead it's back here on earth but this time curating and building without sin uh as being a factor without the work of satan being a factor because christ has already overcome them and so, and, and this is really where, for me, I've kind of been shifting and, and, and being molded, I think, in the last really few months and weeks as I've been processing this. And so I'm actually called, when you look at the teachings of Jesus, when you look at the, the exhortations of the, you know, the, the epistles, I am called to be, be that worker today. Yeah, Absolutely. And there is a mindset about eternity that I do think we need to address that I've had, which is moment of salvation, right? We give our life to the Lord and we don't really have to do anything. Right. Um, and then we will, we'll, we'll die. And then we are just made perfect in heaven with God. And that's, that's the end of the story. And that's not what the Bible mm -hmm. taught, right? That that's not mm -hmm. at all. It, um, there is very clear indications that what we do here on earth will impact our personal existence, uh, whether that be in heaven or back here on earth. But there's also just this constant exhortation from uh, Jesus in, in the letters to, well, I mean, to work out our faith with fear and trembling, to mm -hmm. um, live out this kingdom here today, to recognize and operate today as if I'm in all, as if I'm representing the kingdom right. that is coming. And so, I don't know, I, I think for me, I've been really thinking about that and it's motivating me because I have a mm -hmm. vision. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is what I was talking about in that article. It's, it's this idea of like when we have a vision yeah. for what could be and what should be, yeah. then here. we are motivated here. Yes, here, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. What, what, you know, what God's gonna do here? Then it changes things, and it and it changes things from a morality perspective, as far as like you know, the purging of sin in my life. But it also changes things on how I use my money, um, what kind of causes I support or don't support. I'm what I'm what I'm doing is in every area of my life, and I love the imagery you gave. I'm trying to shift 
away from the straw and the stubble, right? The yeah. spiritual straw, the spiritual stubble. Yeah. Um, I, w- I want to give a really practical example. So, um, but I, I feel like everything that's coming, has this ever happened to, to anybody? You want to think of an example, but everything you get is petty and you're like, that's nah. not really what I'm going for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll take, I'll take a shot. Here we go. It's a little silly, but run with me on this. So, and maybe it's just the millennial in me, but I think it's the Jesus in me. I'm really trying to move towards the items that I purchase are good for people and the planet, right? Those are just generally the things I'm aiming for. So I'm aiming for, to the best of my ability, which is very limited, making decisions in which I know the workers who are being, um, who are are creating the products that I'm purchasing, that they're taken care of, and the planet that I will reside on forever uh, is being taken care of as well. And so I've been purchasing uh, shoes from a particular company that meets some of those standards and moving away from shoe companies that have historically utilized children in the manufacturing of their products that even when they're not doing that are intentionally building the products in countries in which they can get away with paying uh, really low wages and those kind of things. And, you know, maybe you, you can agree or disagree, but I think this is the key. In faith, kind of Paul talks about this in Romans, in faith, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can, right? Like I'm hmm. choosing to try to take this kingdom mindset and say, when I buy shoes, what's the kingdom mindset for shoe buying, right? Um, you know, I'm not going to buy anything that's really expensive because I, I don't want a lot of my money going to shoes. I want to I take care of the people on the planet. How do I do that? And that's a silly example, but then if we begin to scale that to every other part of our life, yeah, I think that we begin to curate a life that's living out to the best of our ability the patterns of the mm. the, the the new kingdom that's coming, right? The, the kingdom that yeah. Christ is going to herald in, and the kingdom that I'm supposed to represent. Yeah, am I being just a silly millennial? I say uh, while wearing plaid, and you know, no, not yeah. at all. Um, Another image that that came to me is is we are planting seeds of the new Eden, um, planting seeds that that hopefully oh, I God willing that. will will bloom in the new creation. Um, yeah, which which a is a reason. This is why Christians talk about hope so much, um, because mm-hmm. hope isn't just about everything you've ever known will be gone, but you'll get to be in heaven. Hope is about, like, no, God's coming to fix it. Like, the stuff that's messed up, the stuff that's broken, the stuff that's wrong, Jesus is coming back here, and he's going to fix it. He's going to make all that better. Um, and that doesn't make mm. that doesn't mean it's, it's a personal utopia for each of us. Like, God is on the throne. God is at the center of this new creation, and we will bow to him. Yeah. We will worship him. All the nations will stream to him. Everybody will bring, bring our allegiance to him. So it's about him. It's not about us getting what we want. But it's this beautiful vision of God's coming to get rid of all the stuff that ruins our lives here and now. Um, yeah. And so I'm just, I'm so excited for that. And, and that should shape us, right? That, that vision yeah. of hope should shape us. That, that idea of something's going to happen here should shape the way that we look at our neighbors, should shape the way we, we treat our children, um, should yeah. shape the way that, that we live our lives. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm just, I've been so, I know this is true of you too, I've just been so captivated by this vision. It it, it seems like it makes sense of the Christian story. Um, whereas it seemed, it just, whether I could name it or not, before I, I kind of heard this bigger cosmic vision of the kingdom and the new creation, um, it just felt like some something was missing from the Christian story. And this this is it. This is This is how the whole Bible ends, and I don't know why we don't talk about it more. Because when, if we're not careful, we can preach the gospel in a way that says, now you're saved, nothing that you do now really truly matters until you die, because you're going to the same place that everyone else is going, and it's fine. Right. Or you know, you're going to the same place all Christians are going. But still, Jesus wants you to be a good person to do it because, to do it because you love him. Right. And I don't, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to make fun of or tease that idea of the gospel. Honestly, that that may be 100% true, potentially, right? Like, as far as, you know, we go to heaven and and we're just made pure and righteous in that moment. But I think it's interesting. Do you know, I I promise I'm going somewhere with what I'm about to say. Hmm. Uh, I heard this the other day. Do you know where the idea of purgatory came from? Um, A little bit, yes. But you go for it. 
Okay. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's an inside joke that nobody else is going to understand. But anyways, so, yeah, my understanding, and, and, you know, take this with a grain of salt, just because, you know, I don't have Catholic roots uh, for my faith, but my understanding is that generally Catholics would not, you know, Catholic theologians would not identify purgatory as a biblical idea, right? Like it didn't, wasn't pulled from the Bible. But it was something that they kind of logically came to the conclusion of. And I think this is what matters, what I'm about to say. Because there's this idea that, like, clearly, if we are people who are totally sinful and jacked up and we die, we're not going to immediately enter into this righteous and pure place. We need to have a segue time, a segue period where we are purged and right, refined. Right. Now, I don't personally adhere to that exact doctrine. I don't think that's true. But... What I, what I do believe is that there is some core element of, of, yeah, we should be going through a purging process that makes us more like Jesus. And it's a Work part out of your faith discipline. with fear and trembling. Yes. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Part, it's part of his discipline for us, right? He disciplines those who are really his kids. And if you're not under the hand and discipline of God and being shaped to be formed like him, the question then becomes... Let me put it this way, and, it, and maybe this will be like our segue into the very practical elements of this. If you aren't being shaped to be more like Christ, how do you know that you'll you'll you can truly identify Him as your Lord? And so, I think we need to go ahead now, and, and with that in mind, maybe talk a little bit about what are some of the practical steps that we in 2023 America can begin to ponder. Okay, so we are casting this beautiful vision for eternity, knowing God, knowing Christ, living in his new creation with resurrected and glorified bodies. But let's be honest, we are not ready to live there yet, are we? Because like you were just (laughs) talking, like you were just talking about, we have some purging that we need to do, yeah. right? And so what are the ways that we can be formed? Let's get let's get practical with this. What does it look like to be formed into the kind of people yeah. that can actually be citizens of the kingdom of heaven? You know, Paul was a, a Roman citizen, but he didn't live in Rome. He, he In the book of Romans, he says he longs to visit Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also know from Acts that he is a Roman citizen. Uh, so, so to be a citizen of heaven doesn't mean that our real home is in heaven and we're just here in the meantime paul paul's real home was not in rome i did not mean to rhyme when i said that um so when he says when he says that we are citizens of heaven he doesn't mean that's our real home this is our fake home what he's what he's saying is live as a representative of heaven where you are so if a if somebody in galatia was a roman citizen they were supposed to be responsible respectable outstanding um, representations of rome in galatia so to be a citizen of heaven here on earth is to represent and to be an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven here on earth um yeah so how do we how do we overlap right to you know we are exactly beings that are exactly yeah we're created for earth but with you know our we're created for the overlap between heaven and earth so how do we how do we live that out today really exactly exactly so i think there there is overlap yeah. in in kind of the question that i that i want to start thinking through is a how do we get ourselves ready to live in a perfect mm-hmm. kingdom when we are not perfect but b how do we represent that perfect kingdom now while we're still not yeah. perfect yeah yeah um, and i think that idea of purging is fascinating because sin is all around us sin is inside of us sin is working on us sin is is everywhere and one day we won't have to face that problem anymore but in the meantime we should work on purging what's inside of us out and praying deliver us from the evil one and do not lead us into temptation right yeah i i I do think it starts with so paul gives us this idea of like um like training uh, you know, yeah, it's pretty classic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, classic kind of section of scripture. You know, this is kind of what you're like, run the race, you know. And, um, you know, in that time, he even gives some examples like, you know, looking at these, you know, Roman athletes, you know, they train. Um, and so one of the, I would say even the first mindset shift 
that we need to make because a lot of things begin here in the mind and then they they flow to our body from there um begin in kind of our hearts and which goes to our minds which then goes to our bodies um and sometimes that can work the opposite we'll talk about that in a moment but um i I would say beginning to adopt the mindset shift that me and you and, and whoever else is listening we are we are currently working to train for eternity right uh, hmm. t- like our life with God, right? We are going to just have that mindset, right? I am um, a, a, a current citizen of heaven. I'm, I'm a, you know, a co-heir with Christ. That means one day I'm going to rule with Christ. Don't really know what that means, but hmm. I'm going to act as if I'm in preparation for that, right? I'm, I'm in preparation for that. And so, um, you know, if I'm preparing to run a marathon, uh, it's going to change how I eat. It's going to change yeah. uh, how I how I dress. It's going to change w- what my routine is, my schedule is. So, one of the things that Christians historically have engaged in, or or and this is becoming way more uh, way more common, I, I think, in Christian circles. And so, uh, it's talking about spiritual formation or spiritual disciplines, and that's really the, the spiritual mm-hmm. formation is really the core of, of what we want in this podcast we want to offer one more thing that you can put in your ears while you're on a run while you're driving that as you listen to it you are becoming formed just a little bit more like christ and Mm -hmm. um, this podcast isn't all that that you need right you need a whole set of things in your life that are moving your spirit and your your soul towards this so Mm -hmm. uh, a few of these common spiritual disciplines the, the, the the spiritual formation is the process. The spiritual disciplines are the the actual things you're doing. They're the tools or the routines. Maybe that's a better word. Routines that we embark on. Some really common ones um, that are that are clearly outlined in Scripture would be things like having a day of rest, um, mm-hmm. which is not where people usually start, but it is so important. Uh, for me, I, I know you you and your family implement this as well, Nick, that... For us, it's Friday night to Saturday night. We do nothing. Um, we really do just rest and enjoy time with our kids. Parenting is enough work. <laughs> and uh, I turn my phone off, um, and we just have a time of rest. So that would be one. Another one would be fasting, having a regular... Uh, sometimes I, I think a good habit could be scheduled day of the week, but but a regular practice in your life where you abstain from food, that, that you do not consume any calories in that fashion um, because you are in the practice of, of putting your spirit in alignment with the Lord. You are telling your body that you really don't live off bread alone. Um, and then other things that are really common in our church culture, but I think if we approach them with the spiritual disciplines, they'd be so beneficial. Things are daily Bible reading. Um the studying of God's word. We are so blessed to have copies of this in our home in a way that was not always true for the church. And so um, daily Bible reading and commute. I'm taking all of them. I need you to jump in, Nick. (laughs) Before I just like continue ranting and uh, what, I mean, what are some of the ones that you've seen in your life? So these are some of the, the top, the top five on me for me, I think. Yeah, I think I think prayer is a huge one that we don't often think about mm-hmm. as a, a discipline, um, but it, it really it really is um, prayer and not just prayer, but silence and solitude, taking time to just even even not have your Bible open as as wrong as that may sound, um, to just sit and listen to the Lord, not not feel like you need to say mm-hmm. anything to Him, not feel like you need to be reading a book or, or anything, but yeah. listening to music, um, just just listening in silence, getting alone. Um, can form you and even for extended periods of time and then the opposite of that is being shaped and formed in community um we we talked a lot about this in our our first episode but but the way that community forms us and shapes us we are we are meant to be in community um and really the one of the goals of all of these things of of this this training um is is again to to remove the, the hindrance of sin that so easily entangles us, as Hebrews 12 says, to, to prepare us for the day that we will walk through those gates and and have the yeah. gates of, of the new Jerusalem, not not the heavenly gates, um, yeah. and, and never have to worry about sinning ever again. You know, and I think, as we're kind of going through this, there's at the end of the day, there's just so many things, and, and I feel like it can be a little, kind of trying to even imagine listening 
right now, there's just, we, we listed what, six things pretty quickly mm. um, that we have implemented, but it, we've implemented these over the course of, you know, following Jesus for more than a decade. And so these things take time. So I, I would even just encourage if, if you're maybe newer in your walk with Jesus, you're early on apprenticing to him. I would say the very first place that I would personally begin would be um, daily reading of the Bible and praying, right? So just, just mm -hmm. open it. If you feel like you don't understand what you're reading, that's okay. Just read and then pray and be in community. I would say those would be like the, the starting places, right? Finding a church in their small groups and going to them. And this is this is the place where things begin. And then as we walk in that, we begin to learn the context of a lot of these other disciplines. That's so good. Um, yeah, I think that's so valuable. And, and if you are rooted in that community, um, mm -hmm. you can walk through these disciplines with, with other people. It doesn't have to be something you do alone other than silence and solitude, but you can pray with one another. Reading the Bible in community, we should have an entire episode about that probably, because there are things that will just come alive to you when you, when you read with others. Um, and that, that can look like, honestly, even reading, reading books from people that are outside of your denomination or um, faith tradition that, that talk about the Bible from a lens, or maybe people from a, a different country or a different ethnicity or a race than you, yeah. um, who, or gender than you, who can talk about the Bible from a lens that you never would have seen because you just don't read it from that perspective. Um, but, yeah. but Bible reading in community, prayer in community, um, all of these, these, these habits, fasting in community, fasting with somebody, um, and just leaning on each other mm -hmm. through your struggle. Um, yeah, I, I think fasting is, is a cool example because you're, you're, you're getting rid of something. You're, you're not relying on your current fallen physical body. Um, but, but walking through that with somebody being, being able, being able to say, man, I'm hungry. And they say right back to you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But, but it's worth it. Right. Um, I, yeah. So yeah, I, I love that, that you said community is is a step one um because yeah. community is going to be eternal yeah and and as we segue over to our final thoughts i almost feel like that should be kind of the concluding kind of thought here in this moment mm -hmm. is to to say maybe what we don't talk about enough is eternal life is knowing jesus and knowing the father and i think there's a very good argument that we don't really know Jesus until we until we also love his body. Or at least I would mm -hmm. say as a part of getting to know Jesus, the natural byproduct is loving his people, his church. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, there might be somebody who's listening to this podcast right now who's kind of very much walking that individualistic life that says, you know, maybe I can't, I, I, I've got hurts from the church experiences that I've had, which are so legitimate um, you know, or whatever the case is, but when we try to walk the Christian life apprenticeship to Jesus, absent of community, we are inherently not acting like citizens of the kingdom. <coughs> Dude, you're coughing at really good times. Intentionally. I'm proud Holding of Holding it in. <laughs> yep. All right. Just Where do you want to go off. with? Yeah. Right. It's just well, so now it's just final thoughts. So yeah, I'll just. Do, uh, do you want to kick it to me first? Or you want me to kick it to you first? I don't know if I have a final thought. I feel like I've said everything that I want to All say. Right, well, ask me, and I'll come up with something, and then you'll probably build off that. Hopefully. Cool. All right. Let's do it. Okay, so Phil, final thoughts for the episode. What's on your mind? Yeah, the teacher in me just likes to recap. <laughs> so, yeah, right? Yeah, so we need to have, to the best of our ability, a proper understanding of what eternal life is, which is knowing Jesus. And we need to be able to understand that heaven, um, you know, is, is not our eternal resting home, but it's actually here on earth, really at the intersection of heaven and earth when Christ comes back again and, and establishes the kingdom here. So we need to live like 
those citizens today. And that should affect it should affect how we view others in the church. If we're not going to be divided in heaven, let's not be divided here. Mm. Uh, it affects um, how we use our money. If mm-hmm. we are not going to be using our money to invest in um, a ton of personal pleasures in heaven, then we shouldn't really be using it for that here, but giving it to those who are in need. Um, and we could go on, right? It really is, as you get to know Jesus and get to know the coming kingdom, it's aligning yourself to that. And I think that's what it means for me when I think about beginning with the end in mind when it comes to eternity. Yeah. Yeah, I love this this image of heaven as not a, a future home, but a present reality. Um, mm-hmm. And a present reality that's, that's you know, with, with us um, because... I, I think about the the story in Genesis where Jacob lays his head on a rock to go to sleep for the night, and he has this dream where he sees angels ascending and descending this this staircase to heaven, um, and he wakes up and he says, "Surely heaven was here, and I didn't even know it." Um, mm. And that is my story. That is your story, right? That that yep. everywhere we go, heaven is here and we don't even know it. So how do we tap into that? And that's that's what spiritual formation is, is how do we tap into heaven on earth? How do I become a, a heaven person in an earthly body? Um, yeah. So thinking of heaven as a, a, a present reality, I think is transformative for us. I think it, it, shifts, it shifts everything. It's not just a present reality where, where our loved ones are, although that is one thing that it is, but um, it's a it's a present reality that should shape the type of people we are as we try to bring heaven to earth, as we pray, your your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. Um, these these prayers are formational and and intentional in what Jesus said. Um, so yeah, living as citizens of heaven, ambassadors of heaven, um, while we wait until God brings heaven to earth. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Living Room Disciple Podcast as we wrestled through this idea of eternal life and heaven. We hope this episode was a blessing for you and a catalyst for living with the end in mind. We have some exciting news. As of today, you can begin supporting the Living Room Disciple on Patreon and making content like this available to even more listeners. So find the link in the show notes below and begin supporting our growing Patreon community. Thank you again for listening to the Living Room Disciple podcast, where discipleship finds a home.